Welcome back to the Hemingway List, Year of War and Peace, talking about Book 1, Chapter 13, and this episode is coming to you all the way from the beach, Sandy Point. It's lovely down here. It's uh, very, very peaceful, and I think right now I'm mm, maybe 10 metres away from a cow, so that's cool. The discussion prompts were these. The dying count is surrounded by fortune seekers and hangers on. Does anyone actually care about him in his last days? Do you think Tolstoy is making a point about a man who has, in Anna his words, lost count of his children? There are some interesting parallels between Pierre and Boris in these early chapters, for example. Though they are technically adults, we get glimpses of both indulging in behavior, behavior more suited to children. We see Pierre privately playing at being a great General Napoleon, and in contrast, Boris is introduced chasing and teasing his almost too young to take seriously love interest, Natasha, with her doll. What other similarities and differences do you note between these young men? Do you think Boris's speech to Pierre was genuine, or was he trying a different route than his mother's to ingratiate himself with his wealthier god family? And finally, regardless of his speech with Pierre, do you think Boris would really refuse a gift of financial support if the Count offered or willed it to him? Good questions. Again, by user 7 of 9. Thanks for those. Borrowed them from last year. Grumpy Shakespearean said this. Some of the similes in this chapter were fantastic. Pierre was received like a corpse or a plague victim. Pierre shook his head and waved his hands as if he was being attacked by a swarm of midges or bees. Amazing. I'm really enjoying Tolstoy as a writer more than I expected. I liked Boris in this chapter. I hope, I'm not being naive, by thinking his kindness towards Pierre was genuine. I think Boris and Pierre are genuinely annoyed by the gossipy society they live in, but don't necessarily know how to escape it either. I hope their friendship continues to blossom. But would Boris turn away money if it was offered? I don't know. It's easy to be high and mighty about these things in theory, does he know that his family is broke and can't even afford his uniform? Pierre might be my favourite character so far. I actually laughed out loud when he was confused about who was who. We all are, Pierre. Icar100 said, I agree with your opinion of Boris. I also find him very cool and dignified in a way. I felt he was a true magnificent bastard when talking to Pierre. Um, four lost souls in a bowl says um, oh, that line what was it Pierre was received like a corpse or a plague victim in Dunnigan was apparently like a ghost or a leper which gets across the same idea in the Andalus translation it's he was received like a drop bear or a zombie or a zombie drop bear Zoe four says I don't think you're being naive I also felt like I liked him and his kindness was genuine, and that he doesn't fully grasp the extent of his mother's manipulations. M. D. Mori says, I can't read only one chapter a day. I'm so involved, I just want to keep reading. Oh no, we've lost one to the reader head. You poor thing. A lost soul. Storming ahead of everyone else. No, that happens every year. A couple of people always read ahead. And then they either have to sit there and wait, or they kind of just fall out of the their daily conversations. Hey, hey, do your own thing. 
That's cool. May Lee said, I'm learning that I have a tendency to read books quickly without judgment of characters. I don't tend to like or dislike characters, but simply watch them unfold. I am grateful for this book club for this reason. However, I think I do like Boris more for his scheming nature. I think he has something up his sleeve and will gladly accept money from the Count's fortune if offered. Anna Mikhailovna is too pushy for me. Yeah, I think he's a good uh, son at the end, at the bottom of it all. And I think he genuinely was humiliated with having to do this. But I also think if mum says he's got to take the money, he's going to take the money. That's what I think of old Boris. Because, um, I mean, after all, his mum's going to be his biggest influence on who he is as a as a young man. Angel of Dawn said, there's an interesting line here. I don't know how it's translated in other versions, but in mine it says, please forgive me, Boris said, trying to put Pierre at ease instead of being put at ease by him. Uh, which reminds me of a line in the previous chapter, Anna Mikhailovna saw that she was he was afraid she might have a rival claim on Count Bezikov's will, so she hastened to put his mind at ease. The mention of putting someone at ease and the distinct emphasis that you are at the advantage if you're able to put someone else at ease really interests me. McDoug said, this was the line that jumped out for me reading too. I'm glad you brought that up. I'm glad you brought up that Anna does similar earlier in the book, Good Catch. It makes me think that maybe Boris has learned the art of manipulation from his mother and is using it here. Maybe he's not as innocent as he seems to me in the past chapters. Samantha Cruz says, Pierre seems like a geeky, awkward, gentle giant guy, and I already really like him. Yeah, he's awesome. All right, what else have we got here? Oh, man, there's still so many comments every day. Chelsea Cadu said, Can anyone help me out and explain who the three princesses were? I was thinking they were maybe some of Count's illegitimate daughters, but then Pierre calls them cousin. Um, yeah, so they're the Count Bezikov's nieces, so they are Pierre's cousins, um, I think. I think uh, cousin was probably used in a loose term as well, like it could be like a great niece or, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, Brett Peterson said, from the reading, it seems like maybe the younger princesses actually care about the dying Count, although even... That is hard to tell. This scene with Pierre reminds me of my brother who has a mild case of Asperger's. I don't think the speech was genuine and either way I don't think there's any way he would refuse a gift if one were offered. Um, very cool. Very cool. Oh, a summary from Zukov17. Always good. Pierre comes home to visit his dying father. Everybody is gossiping about his Behaviour with the bear in Petersburg. Vasily won't let Pierre see his father and frankly, Pierre doesn't put up much of a fight. He heads back to his room. Boris comes to visit Pierre in his room. The two don't remember each other and while Boris is only technically there to invite Pierre to dinner at the Rostov's residence, they get on well together and find each other's company enjoyable. Big news, Pierre's father has a will. Alright, are we ready to read the next chapter? I reckon we are. So, what are we up to here? Uh, chapter 14 or 17, if you're reading Maud. It goes like this. <clears throat> Once Anna Mikhailovna and her son had nicked off 
to go kiss Count Bezikov's ass, Countess Rostova sat alone for ages having a sook. After a while, she rang for a maid. Take your time, why don't you? She snapped when the nondescript maid finally got there. Don't you want to serve me? I can send you away if you want. The Countess was pissy. She felt all weird about her dear friend Anna being so sad and povo. It was unbecoming of a posh wanker to be acting so povo. The whole thing was making it impossible for the Countess to not be a dick to her maid. I'm so sorry, ma'am, said the maid facelessly. Yeah, yeah, just go get the Count, would ya? The Count came waddling in to see his wife, wearing his usual guilty look. Well, little Countess, what a ripper of a meal we're having tonight. Sauté of game or mordure. I had a cheeky taste. The thousand roubles I paid for Taras was the money well spent. 100% worth it. He sat beside his wife, his elbows on his knees, his hands ruffling his grey hair. What are your commands, little Countess? Well, love, what's the what's that mess? She said, pointing at his waistcoat. That's sauté, isn't it? She added with a smile. Oh, well, you see, Count, I want some money. Her face became sad. Oh, little Countess. And the Count quickly began to get out his pocketbook. I want quite a lot of money, Count. I want 500 roubles. And taking out her cambric hanky, she started cleaning her husband's waistcoat. 500? Straight away, my dear. Hey, anyone there? He called out in the sort of lazy tone one uses when they are sure someone will come running. Get Dimitri for me. Dimitri, a man of good family who had been brought up in the Count's house and now managed all his financial affairs, stepped softly into the room. I need you to grab us... He reflected for a moment. Yes, grab us 700 rubles, yeah. But hey, don't get scummy-looking notes like last time. Make sure they're all fresh, crisp notes for the Countess. Now, yeah, new notes, please, said the Countess with a sigh. How soon do you need the money, Your Excellency? asked Dimitri, because... And don't take this the wrong way or anything, but... He hesitated, noticing that the Count was starting to breathe a little fatter and quicker, a sign that he might be about to flip out. Remind me, did you want it brought straight away? Yes, yes, mate, straight away, please. Give it to the Countess. What a legend that Dimitri is, added the Count when the young man had gone, his fat breathing reducing back to his usual chubby breathing. No such thing is impossible to Dimitri. I hate when things aren't possible. Everything is possible. Ah, money, Count. Bloody money. It's a pain in the ass the world over, said the Countess. But I do really need that cash. You, my little Countess, are an absolute shocker with your spending, said the Count lovingly with a chuckle. He kissed her hand and returned to his study. When Anna Mikhailovna returned from her ass-kissing expedition at Count Bezikov's, the money, all in fresh clean notes, was laying ready under a hanky on the Countess's little table. Anna Mikhailovna could see that the Countess seemed a little irritated. How'd you go? asked the Countess. Oh, he's not in good nick. You can barely recognise him, he's so sick. I was only there a few seconds, hardly spoke to him at all. Annette, please don't be a pain about this, the Countess began with a blush that looked out of place on her thin, dignified, elderly face as she took out the money from under the hanky. Anna Mikhailovna reacted immediately, stooping low, ready to hug the Countess at the appropriate moment. This is for Boris from me, for his outfit. Anna Mikhailovna was already embracing the Countess and weeping. The Countess wept too. They wept because they were friends and because there was kindness and mercy and understanding between them and because they, friends since they were little tackers, were now so far removed from that little tackerhood, firmly in the realm of old personhood, 
in the injustice of it all, that they now had to worry about such icky things as money, but those tears were pleasant in a way to both of them. All right, there we go. Another chapter for you. The Rostovs have come to the aid of young Boris via uh, Anna Mikhailovna. Very cool. All right, I hope you liked that. Thanks for listening. I'll see you tomorrow. Thank you.